If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to First Strike here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down UFC 298. We got a championship bout on the line. Maybe, arguably, the greatest featherweight of all time, Alexander Volkanovsky, puts that strap on the line against Ilya Tapuria as he gets his first title shot here as we ring in 2024 in earnest at UFC 298 in Anaheim, California. We got a great show as always. Lou Finicaro is going to join us. Nick Deus is going to be here in studio and Jordan Sherwood in Chicago. But for the first time ever, we are taking the show overseas to jolly old London, England town. We are joined by our friend Reed Kuhn. You can follow Reed as I do on X at Fightnomics. He's the author of the same name. Uh, Reed, you're in London talking UFC. What's going on over over that big pond of ours? Hey, you know, people know about UFC over here. You got <laughs> Tom Aspinall. You got Conor McGregor right next door. There's, there's still enough buzz that when I tell people that's my favorite sport, they know what I'm talking about. So even though there's some soccer games, football games, as they refer to it here, there's some Champions League going on. So I'm ducking out at halftime and, and talking to you, and then I'll head back over to the pub and see who wins the games. I mean, I think we've made first strike history here by going international, tr- truly global with this edition of it. Uh, let's get right to it. Obviously, it will be back here stateside uh, in Anaheim for this main event uh, to pour you up against Volkanovski. Obviously, Alexander coming back to his weight class at 145, and I mentioned off the top read, some would consider him the greatest featherweight of all time. What's interesting is there's a lot of respect in the marketplace for Tapuria here as the younger challenger at 27, obviously Volk now at 35. I know those models like to favor that young guy. Uh, what, what are the numbers showing you here in this featherweight uh, championship bout? 
Yeah, well, you, you mentioned two things. One, he may be the greatest featherweight champion of all time. The problem is that my data includes two performances at lightweight that did not go his way, and that's a lot of minutes. And when you think of just that rolling window of the last five years, uh, using all those minutes at lightweight, it really muddies the waters with his signal. And then you got Topuria, who, like many other challengers that I've mentioned before, we don't have a ton of sample size. Out of 62 minutes of fight time, 25 of those came in his last main event against Josh Emmett. And that was a lopsided drubbing against a guy who just could not keep up with him. And so if anything, his stats are actually inflated. So we got deflated on one side, inflated on the other. And so it's no surprise the numbers, the models are coming out on the younger guy just a little bit. And so it's hard for me to factor all that in. So this may be a situation where I intentionally do a dog or pass play, you know, maybe take a stab at the underdog if I see the price get to where I want it. Or I kind of bank on the fact that this is a pretty even matchup. And uh, Volkanovski is still much more proven at five rounds at featherweight. I would lean his way if it weren't for the fact that the models were telling me otherwise. Uh, so I may just end up with a prop on an over. Um, but we'll see where the price lands. You know, that's fascinating. By the way, we showed the Uber tail of the tape. These are your numbers that you created uh, for the, for these data points. So it's absolutely fascinating. The fact that your models do not throw out the two failed attempts at lightweight, right? Because I know a lot of people this week are going, all right, well, you can throw those out because Volk's back to his weight class. The data points don't do that, right? They're going to say, I know it's a different weight class, but still those that's treading the tire, so to speak, as he comes back down to 45, correct? It gets messy. There's just so much weight class switching these days, especially in those middle ranks, the lightweight, featherweight, and welterweight. Um, it would just really complicate my day-to-day. -day. Uh, so yes, it could be done. We could delete out some of those fights. I just don't do it normally, and we're still doing okay in the long run. But this is one of those situations, as you call it out, I say, yeah, I'm probably going to be a little bit more cautious about this main event. And you know that I like to make my money elsewhere on the card, mm -hmm. so I hope that it doesn't come down to that. Let's look elsewhere on the card then and see if we can find some better value. And I think that's a great lesson that you're putting out with the numbers kind of conflict with where your, your head would be at. Sometimes it could be a pass. So maybe dog or pass scenario here for you in the main event. I love Robert Whitaker. I'm the tank for the guy. Obviously didn't go well the last time out against DDP. Now he's back in there against Paulo Costa. And I look at this and I go, should Rob at 33? And I guess it's, you know, you look at Paulo, he's only 32. He's inactive these days. But should Robert Whitaker, are the, the data points saying he should be a, a minus 225 betting favorite here? Yeah, that's that's an interesting call. I mean, you call it his age. He's only 33, but he is definitely a weathered eight, uh, 33 because he has eight knockdowns received throughout his career. That is a lot. That's an unusual number for someone who hasn't tipped over the threshold of 35. Um, Costa, on the other hand, has been very inactive. And even if you do credit that win against Luke Rockhold, which at high altitude clearly took an effect on Luke Rockhold, who was on his way into retirement anyway, even crediting Costa for that performance, he's two and two in five years. That's just not a lot of action. Um, so he's coming in with less experience. He's been inactive. Whitaker is one of those guys who's very technical. Uh, you know what you're going to get with him in the standup. And Costa is hesitant. He is accurate and powerful, but he doesn't pull the trigger very well. And that, I think, plays to the favor of Whitaker, who is going to be uh, slightly rangier. He's uh, just a little bit more technical in his combinations. He's able to land volume. And I think he's going to keep the high pressure. And in a three-round fight, I think he can do it long enough and avoid some big bomb counter. That's really Costa's only shot here. And, and to that point, you look at the total here, over two and a half. It is juiced to the over, which feels like a correlated play, that if you like Rob, it's probably going to be by decision with the technical work getting in and out. 
Maybe if you're on the, the power side, it would be by finish here by KOTK or DQ. That's plus $3. Do you see finishing potential for the favorite here to, to lower that price tag? Or do you think it would be by decision, which, by the way, is plus $1.30? So neither guy has attempted a single submission in their entire career to date. <laughs> so let's just throw that out the window. Um, yes, there is knockout potential on both sides. I think Whitaker might be a little bit underrated in that because his power rating isn't quite as good as where it was when he was coming up in the title run. That's because he's been against elite talent who had good defense like Israel Adesanya. All those point striking matches will deflate that number and Costa, something to call out here, 57% head strike defense is by far the worst mm. on this card. And so he is going to get pieced up. So I do see finishing potential on both sides. Maybe we see a return to Whitaker's old days where he lands those knockdowns. He's scored 10 of them in his UFC career. That's 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 a pretty healthy number. We just haven't seen it in a while. So, yes, I do think there's finishing potential. If you're getting a lot of plus money on a under 2.5 or inside the distance, I think there's value here, especially at middleweight, where half of all fights are going to end inside the distance anyway. Love where the numbers are showing you there and leading you maybe to an underplay at two and a half at plus money. I want to get to uh, Machado, Ian Gary against uh, Hands of Steel here and Jeff Neal, a fight we were supposed to see in 2023. We're now finally going to see it here in 2024 in February. And you look at Jeff, he's still a pretty big dog here, plus dollar 85. Gary polarizing outside of the octagon, some might say, but uh, inside of it, he's looked really good in his ascent. We got one of those age differences 33 to 26 where are the numbers leading you here reed yeah first of all both these guys are huge for welterweight i mean i think i think jeff neal usually had a big reach advantage and for the first time ever gary is almost right there i mean just just a small bit below in terms of wingspan um, but also much much taller so he may be able to use that wingspan a little bit more effectively than neal so first of all two big guys neither one of them takes many uh takedown attempts so we should see a striking duel and Gary, the, the biggest difference here is that he outworks his opponents by more than 50%, whereas Neil tends to be on the receiving end. He waits for his opponents to lead the dance, and he's looking for that accurate counter. Now, that has worked for him in the past, seven knockdowns scored, but not a, not a very high rate. Uh, Gary is just going to be smothering him with pace, and that's why I see a heavy line for the younger guy here. I think this is a question of volume. I don't think Neil can deal with that kind of volume when he's not going to a plan B and going for a takedown. You know, I'm kind of surprised. I look at the total of two and a half. It's juiced evenly minus a dollar 15 either way. It feels like, look, we know the power that Neil has. We know the volume that Gary has. Do you see finishing potential here? Yeah, Gary's knockdown rate is impressive, and it's way above average, and Neil is getting on. He does have the worst defense of the two, and so you know if, if anybody's getting dropped, it's probably going to be Neil. Now, he's no slouch with his hands either, so again, we have a striking duel between two guys who are pretty good at scoring knockdowns, and they're not exactly pristine on their own side. They have taken a little bit of damage. So yes, I again, I do see more than average finishing potential, it's at welterweight, and yeah, 11 knockdowns total. That's that's enough to expect maybe someone getting dropped. That's the way I look at it, too. Uh, very quickly, with all due respect to UFC 300, we'll figure out what that main event's going to be. Uh, these four fights here in the main card are as attractive to me as a fight fan as you're going to see. Henry Suda against Marab Dilashvili. Uh, I can't wait for this fight, right? And I see that Henry Cejudo, Triple C, King of Cringe, all those things. Almost a $2 betting underdog to uh, the machine here in Marab. He is 37, Henry, and he always retires and comes back. 
Uh, should he have stayed retired? Is this a good matchup for Cejudo, or, or is Marab just going to overwhelm him with volume? I don't know about how they got this particular matchup. I don't know if that's what Cejudo asked for. He's a pretty wise guy mm-hmm. in terms of picking and choosing where his fights are. Uh, but coming in out of at, at 37, trying to take on arguably the next contender with Mirab, I don't like this matchup for him. Um, he is going to be undersized, which is typical for Henry, but once again, undersized. And he's finally dealing with someone who has as good wrestling as he does. Just statistically speaking, they're very, very similar. In fact, Mirab is actually more eager in, use, in going for takedowns, and then everything else is pretty even, uh, you know, real close on, on the tail of the tape. Uh, once again, we have a high-volume striker, striker in Mirab, and we have a low-volume power guy in Cejudo, and at bantamweight, unlike those other weight classes we just talked about, I'm not banking on one shot changing the outcome of this fight. I think it's going to be the pace of Mirab on the feet that wins the rounds. And then the wrestling match, who knows? But age does factor in here. I got to go with Mirab. 20 seconds to go. What are you eating over there in, in England? How's their cuisine? <laughs> I think I think there's going to be some like lamb sausage and pints uh, for the second half of the football games. Get back on this side of the pond, Reed Coon. Safe travels, my friend. Great having you from England. When we come back, going to Arizona, not that far. Next, as we check in with Lou Finicaro, as we continue this edition of First Strike here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before you make your next wager, be sure to visit VEASAN.com. Check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving for every single sport? Well, the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes. You can see the changes in all of the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. We're always improving our betting splits page and recently added soccer betting splits from around the world, like where Reed Kuhn just was. So betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com slash splits. Back here, I am Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. We just had Reed Kuhn from across the Great Pond in England. Now, we don't go that far, just a hop, skip, and a jump up to Arizona to catch up with our guy, Lou Finicaro. You can follow him on X as I do, at GamLou. He is the host of the Valve Business Podcast. Lou, we exhale here in... Las Vegas, the Super Bowl is over now. Man, you look at this card here, UFC 298. It's pretty sexy top to bottom. With all due respect to UFC 300 and the Super Bowl, are you kind of glad that we can now really focus in on MMA? Yes, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Love to uh, share insight here. (laughs) Super Bowl's over. I feel the same way after St. Patrick's Day and New Year's. (laughs) Get it out of the way. Uh, Yeah, so concentration on UFC and on the horizon, the passion that is the NHL playoffs, as I'll start to really dig into that as well as the passionate sport of UFC. Absolutely love it, Lou. We're going to get to your sneak tip before we get done with this conversation today. I want to start right with the very first fight of the day, because I know... For a lot of people like us that are really getting into the weeds and not just, you know, going to the co-main and the main event, which I know that that's what a lot of the general public looks at. Sometimes, man, you get off with that first fight of the night and you get that W. It can kind of set your sails uh, for the rest of the event. Andrea Lee against Miranda Maverick is, is an intriguing fight here. And we're seeing the numbers where Mav is a solid favorite. She comes in right now at minus $1.92. Andrea Lee right now, the comeback there is plus $1.60. The total set... Over two and a half, really juiced here, minus 330, which means we're expecting this to hit the cards. Sometimes when you play those favorites and it hits the cards, you got to take a deep breath before you get those results. How do you see the first fight of the night playing out? Uh, should be an interesting fight. These ladies know one another from their time up in Denver. They've trained together. And in fact, they did Mr. Maynard's job for him by contacting one another Then after they agreed, they contacted Maynard to fight. It's a great stylistic matchup. Long, tall drink of water, Andrea Lee, striker primarily, working on her wrestling. And she has been in with, I believe, a higher level of competition than has Maverick. Maverick's a little younger, a little more grappling wrestling based. And I believe that it's correct, even though Maverick opened 170, it's crept up a little bit. 
I believe Maverick should be the favorite here. I also believe it could be decision, but boy, I like who Andrea Lee's been in with. And once these props come out, Lee decision could be a very strong number, and it's something that I may have to consider. Wow, yeah, because again, if Miranda Maverick can't get her to the ground, and it did stay, you would think the advantage there would be for Lee if it stays standing and it potentially hits the cards, and the numbers indicating that's exactly where Vegas at least expects this to go. In a large cage in L.A. Now, we're not at the apex, right. so these two girls are going to be like two flies in a barrel fighting. There's going to be plenty of room for Lee to maneuver. Yeah, great point, uh, because, again, the last couple of fight cards have been right here at UFC Apex, very tight quarters here in Anaheim. It's going to be you can really have some room to move, that's for sure. Let's stick with the ladies. It gets to uh, Amanda Limos against uh, Mackenzie Dern. And Dern, the small dog in this one, again, we would expect – if you're on the Mackenzie Dern side, you do not want to see this fight stay standing. If you're on the Amanda Lemos side, that's exactly where you want this to stay. Mackenzie is six years the junior of Amanda here. How do you see this one playing out? This is the fight that's had the most aggressive line movement as Lemos opened minus 270. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, this this line got pounded. And it got it got pounded clearly by people that believe Dern is in a good position to submit Lamosh. I'm not one of those people by any way uh, stretch of the imagination. Uh, listen, Lamosh was getting ready for Tatiana Suarez, which who's a big, tall, mean wrestling phenom. And that camp was perfect because as Suarez falls out, Dern comes in very short notice. And Dern, though she has great grappling, it's BJJ. She doesn't really even know how to spell wrestling. <laughs> so I don't know how Dern, again, in a large cage, is going to be able to clasp onto Lamos and get her down. In this fight, I just absolutely disagree with the line movement and feel that uh, Lamos is the side and it's also the value. And again, with this number coming down as dramatically as it has down to a dollar 30 here today would you keep waiting lou and just keep hoping that the darn money comes in and then wait till saturday and hope maybe you can get a minus a dollar 15 at that point no uh, because it's already bounced we took the bout business podcast already released lamosh at minus 120 so that's seen its low point, and now I think we're starting to see buyback. Fascinating. That's exactly you're trying to wait for that dip, and maybe the dip's already come and going back the other way. Uh, great information there. Let's get to the main event because it is fascinating when you look at Alexander Volkanovsky, arguably the greatest 145-pounder we've ever seen. That's debatable. What's not debatable is went up to 55 a couple times, didn't work out his way back now to his quote-unquote comfort zone. You've heard the rhetoric, Lou. We know about the numbers for champions at 35. It's, it's normally that demarcation line. You don't want to be back in faves uh, in title bouts against a guy who's 27. Is it as simple as that, or do we look at Volk and say, yeah, he still is the best at 45 until somebody else can knock him off that perch? In, in this humble handicapper's opinion, there's no question that Volk is the GOAT of 145. He beat Max Holloway three times. He beat Aldo, and those are two top names in the previous GOATs in the division. Uh, Volkanowski, I think, is completely motivated by the huge yapper on this challenger. This Tapuria, his mouth outruns his ability in my humble opinion. He, yes, he's 
fought two decent opponents, two good opponents in his last two, Bryce Mitchell and Josh Emmett. Uh, but w compared to what Volk and who Volk has been in with, uh, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the move in this fight where Volk opens 175 and the return early on uh, Tuporia 155. Uh, again, uh, bout business uh, members are holding Tuporia at 135, but that's before I saw him open his yapper and start to talk about things that he should not be talking about. At this point in time where this fight is lined, and I'm seeing uh, Volk lower than 135 mm -hmm. at many locations, so shop around. Uh, I, I think Volk is the value, however. It's not his age that bothers me a bit. What bothers me with Volkanovski is that it's just four months after a head kick knockout. Mm -hmm. If you saw the interview with Volkanovski in January, he was very emotional, and it was a disturbing interview, in my opinion. It's also my opinion that four months isn't enough, and he could be somewhat affected still by that knockout four months ago. If this fight were to get postponed, I would clearly change all opinions to go to the Volkanovski side. If it goes off on Saturday night, I think it's possible Volk could be rushing back a little bit too soon. Uh, excellent insight. If you saw what Lou is alluding to in the post-fight interview of his last fight, uh, it was, after the Makachev loss, it was disturbing. Like, the things that Volk talked about and why he needs to fight sooner. I'm right there with you. You wonder about the time, not enough time possibly elapsing from that last loss. Uh, very quickly, got about 90 seconds. Co-main event, Robert Whitaker is one of my favorite fighters. I think he's a fan favorite. Paolo Costa is one of those guys that, you know, put down the red wine and get back in shape, and you go, all right, this guy could be what we always thought he would be. Uh, what do we make of Paolo now as a solid dog at plus $1.85? This is a balance fight. Balance. So it did Robert's last fight. Was that an outlier? I think he laid an egg against uh, Duplessis, and I, I do think it's an outlier. Costa, we haven't seen since 2022, and it was then against a guy washed as he could be in Luke Rockhold. Uh, which which way you think? I mean, how much improvement do you think Costa's had? And is Robert ready to come back after what many believe is an outlier performance? So which Robert are we going to get? Yeah, great question. We'll have to find out on Saturday very quickly about Business Podcast and also the sneak tip. Tell the people what they get. Sneak tip on Monday, you get opening line report like we shared and about Business Podcast on Friday, final releases. Appreciate you having me on, Dave, and good luck with everything at the fights, all you listeners. Uh, Lou, it's great to have you on. I see those pictures of Muhammad Ali behind you, and I always go, man, if Eddie Futch just doesn't throw in the towel, Joe Frazier. But that's a conversation for another day, my friend. Love having the conversations. When we come back, Nick Dias is going to join us right here in studio as we continue this edition of First Strike here on Visa. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't done so already, what are you waiting for? Check out the newvson.com. JVT's got a daily NBA vetting article. His picks have all been hot in this NBA season. So don't start your morning without it. Really good copy right there, Britain has. So check it out, the new VEASAN.com, and check it out today. We have a real treat right now because Nick Deus has graced our presence inside our VEASAN studios here at Circus Sportsbook. You can follow him on X, as I do, at Nick Deus 10. He is the host of the Veterans Minimum Podcast my goodness, Nick, when I look and see on social media, the star power you've had on the pod. Oh, you're too kind. I mean, they're just rolling in to sit down with the great Nick Diaz. How has it been, my friend? It's been great. It's been great. Give the, me some highlights of some of the you – can, you can humble brag. Tell me about some of the stars you've had on. I mean, Stephen A. Smith, Bill Krakenberger, Warren Sharp. You know, like the list goes just, on just, and on. You know, and also, most importantly, the boy himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you back on, Nick. Let's yes, talk sir. about this card here because, you know, you, Britton, and I were just even talking during the break. And we talk about the dangers all the time mm. of when fights go to the cards, especially when you're on the fave. I always go, just hold your breath. Yeah. Just hold your breath. Because, you you know, we're seeing fights. You go to the apex. You watch these fights. And sometimes they get judged differently. Do you go into 
a fight card before you make your wagers and go, right, this fight I don't think is going to hit the cards. Therefore, I got a, a, a better handicap on it if I think there's going to be a finish. You just picking up what I'm putting down? Because sometimes I go, man, if I think this is going to hit the cards, I really do have to hold my breath sometimes. Well, you're talking to someone that only bets finish props and submissions and, and TKO. So I never, have to go. To, I never have to worry about that. When it does go to the decision, I'm usually screwed out anyway. But to, to your point, I do agree, man. I think my, my biggest complaint is when it's so different from what you and I have seen. Right. right. If if you and I have a 29, 28 either fighter, I, I'm cool with that, Dave. I can live with that. What drives me crazy is when you have one side 30, 27 and then I have it 30-27. That, I think, is such a dramatic difference where we need to have some evaluation, both on your end, my end. And then when the judges have it that wide and different, that's my biggest complaint about MMA judging. You know, back in the day when I'd have fight parties in D.C., and I didn't care who you are, man, woman, or child. You came over to the house late night to watch the fight. I gave you a pen and paper. And you were going to score the fight. And I did this for these reasons. Yeah. To see what are you seeing? Yeah. And what are some of these judges seeing? I wonder what we're going to see in the main event. Because right now, it is juiced to the over three and a half rounds here. Minus dollar 30 for Volk against Taporia in the title matchup at 45. So again, not saying it's going to hit the cards. But do you think we're going to get a finish here? Or do you think this is one of those that could be a five-round knockdown drag out? Uh, big cage here in Anaheim. So... I assume that favors Taporia because he'd like to keep it standing with the hands. How do you see it playing out? Well, I, I want to push back a little bit because I think Taporia, I've coined him the future champ Ooh. five or six fights ago. Yeah, you did. He checked all the boxes. He's the younger fighter. There's a big trend on under 170 champions going into title fights, 35 or older. I believe it's like 95%. No exaggeration to the younger fighter. And also, my biggest handicap for this one, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, mm -hmm. too. A little deja vu from Alex Pereira a couple months ago. Remember, Pereira gets violently knocked out by Adesanya, then goes up the weight class, and you're expecting the bigger power. It's too quick of a turnaround. I was concerned for Pereira. We kind of see this. That was in the Blahovich fight, yeah. where you can make the case that Blahovich won the fight. Right, right. And now with this case, Volk just got violently finished like never before. He's never been stopped in the UFC by the bigger fighter, by Makachev. And now Taporia, man, it, I think on the ground, standing up, cardio, we've seen him absolutely nuke Josh Emmett, who's mm. one of the toughest fighters in that division, and 50-42'd him. I think he scored three 10-8 rounds. So I think Taporia has him covered everywhere. I, This is a pride thing for me, Dave. Just because I've coined him the future champ for so long and I've been telling all my buddies, I've told you also, yeah. this is the one. This is the one. I'm happy he didn't fight Max Holloway because he derails all the hype trains, but I'm leaning on Taporia. This could be something where we look back at it and we say, how in the world was Volk, who's been minus 600 all these fights at 145, now he's minus 130. It could be a gift. But I'm on the dog side here. You know, what's interesting, you mentioned the Emmett fight. Didn't get him out of there, but he was clearly dominant. Then he starches Bryce Mitchell oh, as a guy yeah. that we don't normally think of a guy that you're going to starch and get out of there the way he did yep. in that first round. So you see the props, the sub, and I know you're a subathon oh, guy. We'll talk big subathon guy. Right, so he's <laughs> a 5-1 to one to get that sub and 3-1 to one to get the K or DQ, uh, TK or DQ, or you can just play a money line. Do you think it, it more than likely is finished or do you think it's going to go to the cards? I think it's a finish. I think it's a finish for Taporia. I'm looking at the plus 165. Yep. 
Uh, Double because, chance. Yeah, because also with him, what's very interesting, and these are the kind of fighters that I like betting on, a guy that could beat you standing and on the ground. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting 2Q, which I was telling you before we started recording, so many times I bet a guy by submission, wins by knockout. I bet a guy by knockout, he wins by decision. But I'm usually pretty good at picking just the winner, and that's what I think I'm going to do here. I think Taporia on the money line and to win by finish, I think that's his most optimal route. Yeah, you're still getting some plus money out yeah. there right now without having to pick a method of victory. Not, not necessarily a bad way to go if you're on the and new yeah. side come Saturday night. Look, I... I'm in the tank for Robert Whitaker. Used to have him on my shows back in Chicago when he fought there. Uh, big fan of his. Problem is, Father Time is undefeated. Yeah. Now, the thing with, with Rob here in this co-main event against Paulo Costa is they're about the same age. I think we look at Whitaker and go, he's so old, right? Paulo is just inactive. Right? So it's not the fact that, that really he's maybe ring rust or anything, but you see 33 against 32 in this co-main should, you know, big shot Bob, if you will, should he still be? Is he? This, we know how technical he can be. Should he still be over a $2 betting favorite here? Very hard five for me to handicap. I think Whitaker coming off that loss to DDP. And look, DDP now is a champion, so that that loss has aged greatly. The problem with Paulo Costa is, number one, is he going to make weight? Yeah. And number two, he's just been inactive. And it's a very weird career, right? Pulling out of fights, agreeing to catchweight fights, then wants another catchweight fight. It's a very strange career for Paulo Costa. I think you're right, though. The the it, Whitaker and him are the same age, but Whitaker has had these brutal five-round fights with Yoel Romero twice. Israel Adesanya yeah. got, got finished by Izzy also. So he's having these fights. And even when he went back on his run to get another title shot, decisions against Cannoneers and the Darren Tills of the world where – these are tough, tough fights. He's not getting anyone out there quickly. So I'm worried about this one. This is a pass for me. Mm. I think um, Paulo Costa could get him out by knockout. That was a prop that I was definitely looking at, at plus 350, him by knockout, just because of how we saw Whitaker in his last outing. But this one is a, is a stay away. Two fighters that I'm a fan of. Bobby Knuckles was one of my favorite fighters, still is one of my favorite fighters. But overall, I think it goes the distance. And that's where I'm leaning on more so than a side. Yeah, and it's interesting when you look at the KO props, it's both three to one either way, right? And, and I think if it's Whitaker, it's more volume, right? Potentially over 15 minutes to get it done inside of 15. With Paolo, you're you're hoping for that one shot. But I think it's it's I'm sorry, Paolo. I think it's fair when people question your motivation yeah. coming in because we, we talk, we joke about the red wine and making weight and all. The, if he comes in and he doesn't make weight and they still have the fight and you go. Well, where's the discipline? Like, is he really in there to yeah. win or take another check? Yeah, and also the one thing that you mentioned there that I like a lot is there's a, there's a lot of fights on this card where I'm looking at that round three, and I think Whitaker, round three, uh, I saw yes. 12 to one, and that's interesting too because of the gas tank issues with Paulo Costa, and there's another fight we'll get to in a little bit. Same thing, round three. There's a lot of fights on this card that I'm looking for a round three stoppage, and this is one of them. If I was playing a side it would be that. All right, I'm fascinated by the Marab against uh, the King uh, uh, Triple C, Henry Cejudo here. Because, again, Henry normally handpicks his opponents. Did he handpick the wrong guy here in the machine? Yeah, I think after what Marab did to Peter Jan, <laughs> I think that was just... That was eye-opening. Yeah, and, and I think he does something very similar. You know, Henry Cejudo is a very strange individual, and I, I mean that with all due respect. He just fired his head coach, yep. uh, a guy who's been with him since the Olympic trials. And put it out there for everybody to see. Yeah, very, very weird. I feel like Henry is just trying to stay relevant. Mm. I don't know what his motivation is to fight. Um, I know it's to 
chase a big paycheck. That's why he retired initially. But Marab is an animal, man. I train with him over at Syndicate, and I see him all the time. And this guy is a machine. It is. He'll just pick. He he sees you over there, Dave. He'll be like, come on, let's spar. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm just here to hang out. He's that kind of guy. And I think that he has him covered everywhere. Like, Marab, yeah, he he's not the Olympic wrestler. But also, his teammate, Aljamain, fought recently against Henry Cejudo. So, they were training for that opponent. So I think stylistically, it's a, it's a bad, bad matchup for Henry Cejudo. Got about a minute to go. I know you mentioned maybe a fight that you like here, Anthony Hernandez against Roman Kapilov. This is a fight that you really like. System play, oh. Dave. An absolute system play. Look, I believe it was with you last time that I was on the show a while back when he fought Shabazian. Yep. Shabazian round one. Fluffy round two and three. He got a third round stoppage. Anytime Anthony Fluffy Hernandez fights, ladies and gentlemen, just remember this. Round two, round three, system plays, baby. You got it because he is known for the gas tank and he starts off really, really slow. Yeah. He is the favorite in this one. I would wait. If you like Fluffy, wait after round one. Kopolov is a very dangerous fighter and I think he's going to drop the first round because this is what Fluffy Hernandez does every single time. That's exactly where I was going to go. Just wait if you like Fluffy until after round one. Nick, great having you in the studio, my friend, as always. Good man, Dave. There Thank he is, much. everybody. Give him a follow on X as I do at Nick Deus 10 When we come back, we're going to Chicago to catch up with Jordan Sherwood next here on First Strike. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We continue this edition of First Strike by going to the great city of Chicago to catch up with Jordan Sherwood. You can follow him on X as I do at Wood on ESPN 1000. You know, Jordan, we just had the Super Bowl here in Sin City. Have you already made your reservations for New Orleans next year? Because the Bears are on the clock at number one and maybe you just go from worst to first. How is the city of Chicago preparing for the April draft? It's all we've been talking about every <laughs> single day. Is it Justin? Is it Caleb Williams? Or is it the number one pick? And we're not thinking about somebody. Uh, April can't get here soon enough, so we know <laughs> who our quarterback is. And then we could set our sights set on, on New Orleans uh, for the Super Bowl. Unbelievable. I love that town, and certainly this time of the year. Uh, I've been in D.C. and Chicago. That Both those cities love a good QB quarter, uh, controversy, and you've got a good one in Chicago. A really good debate this week is the main event. And, you know, I don't know if there's an argument for somebody else. You can make it if you want to for the greatest featherweight of all time, whether it's Jose Aldo, whether it's Conor McGregor in his prime, whether it's Max Holloway, but that would be hard to, to get over Alexander Volkanovsky since he beat Max three times. Now Volk comes back to 45 after a couple failed attempts at 55 against Islam Makachev. Ilya Taporia is a guy that some believe is next. I know my last guest, Nick Dias, is one of those guys. How do you prepare for this? Because I'm worried that maybe it's a little bit too soon from the head kick that he suffered uh, at the hands, or at the feet, rather, of Makachev. But this is his division. Is it as simple as Volk is back to where he feels the most comfortable and should feel great in this matchup against Taporia? It's the too-soon verbiage I'm going to use with Taporia. I, I think this might be, you know, too soon for Tapuria. Uh, look, I, I, he deserves to be here. He's he's undefeated. Uh, he he dominated Josh Emmett. He not, he he stopped Bryce Mitchell. Became the first one to hand him a loss. Um, so there's a reason why at 27 years of age, people are saying that this is a similar story to when Conor McGregor uh, knocked out Jose Aldo. That he deserves to be there. You know, he's gone through everybody else. But I think it might be too soon. This is a dramatic step up in competition. And I'm not ignoring the fact that, yes, Alexander Volkanovsky is, is coming off that head kick knockout, albeit, look, he was preparing for the Taporia fight. He got asked to step up on short notice and, and take on Makachev at a different weight class. And, you know, we saw the results of it. But I think we cannot ignore what Alexander Volkanovsky does uh, at 145 and can do for five rounds. And that's where I, I, I question Taporia's ability to win this fight. He'll have the advantage early, as I think most people do against Volkanovski with the power. Can he land something? But I think Volkanovski just being in championship fight after championship fight and his his combination of cardio, his wrestling, his boxing, his evolving kick, kickboxing, I, I just think at this price that we're getting Volkanovski right now, plus the fact too, you're looking at those total rounds right now that are on the screen at over one and a half, over three and a half. Mm. 
that's saying a Volkanovski victory. That's saying a dominating Volkanovski five-round decision. So I'm not yet confident enough to say Deporia is ready. Uh, I think he'll be there again, probably get another title shot. But for me, it's too quick, too soon. And at that number, a dollar, what, 20? Dollar 25 for mm -hmm. Volkanovski? That's the cheapest he's been in quite some time at 145. Jordan, I think it's it's really good advice because I think a lot of times we, or at least sometimes in the gambling market, you are a prisoner of what you saw last. And then you see that shocking head kick from Makachev at 155 pounds and Volk is out. But I go back to watching fights with Britton Hess, you know, Brian Ortega, how did he, did he not finish Volk? Max Holloway in a stand-up fight, how did he not beat Volk at, at Max's game? He's fought these guys, you mentioned it, as well-rounded a 145 champ as arguably we've ever seen. What is the pathway for Taporia if the dog is in play here? Is it with the hands, or does he want to take the fight down to the ground uh, against Alexander the Great? Well, I mean, I, I do think people forget that Taporia is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but I, I think his, his rarity is, is on the feet, and it's, it's in the power. We saw him bounce back at a weight class up against Jay Herbert, knock him out. You know, in the second round, obviously the striking was the difference in the, in the Bryce Mitchell fight. So I think he's going to have to score early. He's going to have to land something early, make Volkanovski chase him like most guys chase him. Uh, when they're fighting him, you talk about those dominating victories. So I think, yeah, that's the pathway to victory. It's the Puria early. So look, if you like the Puria, you maybe you're on, in on a knockout. That chin is not recovered at plus 300. That's a good price. Uh, I, I don't like the submission prop because we saw him Volkanovski get out of those ridiculous submission attempts from Brian Ortega. So I don't think that Volk's getting submitted by anybody anytime soon. But I, again, as I said, I think the championship pedigree, the the will, and his just rare combination of skill everywhere is enough for me to have confidence Volkanovski's going to get his hand raised and still uh, champion on Saturday night. You know, uh, years ago right there in the great city of Chicago, I had Robert Whitaker on my show with Yoel Romero as they get ready for their fight, uh, their championship bout. And, you know, Yoel's, we're joking around. He's putting me in headlocks. We're having fun. Robert is all business, right? And he's telling me, hey, when Yoel is in here with me, don't ask me about the fight. Like, I don't want to give anything away. You know how Robert Whitaker prepares for a fight. It's intense. Like, he's not giving up anything. Paulo Costa kind of freewheeling, having fun, drinking red yeah. wine, right? How do you handicap where these two guys are in their careers, because that's the only thing that holds me back from looking at Paolo at plus a dollar eighty-five. I just don't know how seriously he takes anything. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had a, a camera following him <laughs> around twenty-four-seven to understand. I mean, the guy, the guy has talent, that's for sure. He's got knockout power. Uh, he can put anybody's lights out. But does does he care? Like, is he is he invested in this? And he's had several fights, you know, cancel you know each other out. But look, look. He's in a situation now uh, in this fight where, like, we got a new middleweight champion of the world in Dreykus Duplessis. If he gets a victory over the former champion, Robert Whitaker, he, he's right there to re-challenge for that middleweight title. And I understand I, we were just talking about, I don't believe Alexander Volkanovsky is going to feel the effects of a head kick knockout. I might be on the side of feeling the effects of Robert Whitaker. Mm. I mean, has he just become too long in the tooth uh, after war after war he's had at middleweight? He was winning that fight, if memory serves, you know, against Dragon Duplessis, yeah. and then all of a sudden he wasn't. And one mistake uh, is all it takes uh, for for Paulo Costa to to end the night. But I think I'm on two sides of it. I, I think 
I think Paulo Costa at, at the price he's at right now is worth like a little sprinkle at plus 185. I think that that price for Robert Whitaker probably a little bit too steep, but I also am confident that it's likely in the over. That I, that I do believe Robert Whitaker is a, such a difficult guy to get out of there. Uh, only the best of the best. Drake gets Duplessis. Israel Asanya gets him out of there. So I think probably hedging my belief mm. that, that Whitaker's going to look for takedowns, you know, control this fight, not mess around with Costa on the feet. So that's why I do also like the over at two and a half, kind of playing at both sides because I'm not necessarily going to go either way right now here on a Tuesday. But yep. uh, I, I think, look, there's paths ways to win. Robert Rickard probably should win the fight, just as we just we talked about. Paulo Costa, where's his head at? Is he is he emotionally invested in this fight? But I think it's safe to say that this fight's going going into the later round. You know, and this is one of those fights too that that maybe to your point, you wait till Friday and see the weigh-in. Like normally the weigh-ins, I don't know if it tells you the story. It could tell you the story of Costa. You know what you're getting in Robert Whitaker. There will be no doubts about his professionalism and the way he's going to attack this fight. The questions might be on the other side. Hey, looks get the weigh-in. And there's no bottle of red wine. It could be uh, underdog city in this one. I want to get to another fight in, in heavyweights in Marcus Rogerio de Lima against Justin Taffa. And Taffa right now is small dog in this one in these battle of big men. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, look, I, I mean, this is going to be fun for as long as it lasts. Justin Taffa's on a little bit of a roll right now, like four wins in a row, all by first round knockout, I believe. Uh, and he's got ridiculous takedown defense if memory serves. I mean, the guy, he just doesn't get taken down. Now, granted, he hasn't been there with unbelievable top-tier heavyweight grapplers, and Delima's not one of them, but Delima's certainly a guy that you do not want on top of uh, top of no. you. And I think Delima's going to, like, remember what just happened to him, and he got blitzed by uh, the Black Beast in Utah, <laughs> I think, his last fight. Yeah. Uh, and, and, look, Justin is going to offer the same type of game, a guy that you don't not mess with on the feet. So I, I just believe that Delima's going to struggle to get that takedown, try out the gates early. And Tafa's on a roll. And how could you not like a guy on a roll at plus money right now? You see there also the total round and a half. They don't expect this fight to go long into the evening. That's saying to me that Justin Tafa is going to land something and completely change this fight's direction. So at plus money, a guy that's got four wins in a row, all by knockout against a guy whose chin has been suspect. He's quit before. He just got stopped by uh, the Black Beast. I'm all in on Justin Tafa. You know, I, I know that Marcos probably still has nightmares of seeing Derek Lewis. The flying, the flying, flying switchney. Yeah. Who saw that coming? By the way, nobody. nobody saw that coming. And I don't know. He still didn't see it coming because he got knocked out from it. Uh, Jordan, great stuff as always, my friend. Appreciate you. Keep Chicago. Just deep breath, Chicago. It's going to be okay. We're going to get to April's draft. We're going to do it. We're going to get through it. <laughs> want to thank uh, Britton Hess and Rob Moreno for putting this show together. Enjoy the fights, everybody. Cash some tickets. We'll see you next week right here on First Strike. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.